Hey everybody, thank you for joining in with us. Man, we're excited to be able to gather together once again through technology and, and bring the Word of God to people all over the place. So thank you for joining in with us today. Uh, this morning we're going to be spending time in God's Word in Luke chapter 11 again. We have been walking through a sermon series on asking Jesus to teach us to pray, to learning to pray like Jesus. It's it's really amazing in the book of Luke just how often we find Jesus praying. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a timely uh, message. It's a timely time in God's Word in that we're in a season right now where more than anything, I believe we need to be praying. God's calling His people to pray. And so what, what Luke is doing in just the book of Luke is he's showing us how important prayer is to Jesus, how often he's praying, how often he's leading his disciples to pray. And then if the Son of God in the flesh, in, in Christ, needs to pray, then how much more do I need to pray? And how much more should I be saturated in my life, uh, saturating it in prayer? And so we're going to be uh, spending some time in Luke chapter 11 today, just opening up the Word of God. So won't you pray with me, and we'll dive right in. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for your Word. And Lord, we need your Word. And so we just pray that you would, you would guide us in your Word, that you would allow the Word of God to come to life right now, Lord, for many, as they open their word or they cut it on, they read it on the screens, Lord, we just pray that you take the word of God and bring it to life. There's power in your word. And so we just ask that you would be glorified, that your, your kingdom would come, your name would be honored as holy, and that people through the preaching of your word would come to know you. All over the world, we ask for your help in this. So help us to, to preach the word, help us to, to bring it to life. We love you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So Luke is, is teaching us about prayer, and, and we, we get to a section in Luke chapter 11 where the disciples see Jesus praying, and they ask Jesus, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so he gives them this model prayer. Uh, but this is first after showing us that Jesus had been saturating his life in, in prayer. But here's the thing. Just because we have a model of how to pray does not make us a prayer warrior. Just because we have the right pattern of how we should do this does not mean that we are doing that with the right attitude or the right fervency. And so what you're going to find is Jesus is about to give them a story, a, a parable. He's going to give them a, 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 an example that is, is you and I. And we're going to look at two of them today, but we're going to start in, in Luke chapter 11. And we're going to look in verse 5 where Jesus is showing them. You know, maybe one of the greatest hurdles to our prayer life is unanswered prayers. We, we find ourselves praying, maybe some of you after last week's sermon, or even now, you're like, all right, I'm gonna pray, and you wrote some things down, and then you don't get that prayer answered as fast as you want it to, or you don't get the answer that you want. Or sometimes you just pray, and you're like, is anybody listening? And, and so sometimes the attitude of, of unanswered prayers uh, throws us for a loop in our, our prayer life. So Jesus gives them this story. He says, okay, you wanna learn how to pray. Here's a model. That you should pray like, but let me give you another story. He says this in Luke chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 5. He says, He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, 
and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, as we read through this story, there's a few interesting things about it, I think, from our perspective that we don't always understand. First of all, in their culture, hospitality is huge. Uh, it, was, it was just a big part of who they were to be hospitable. If somebody shows up to your home, you feed them, you welcome them into your house, you love on them, you, you take care of them. Uh, not as much so in our culture. Somebody knocks on the door, we kind of hide. You know, we're like, uh, who is that? Kids, be quiet, pretend we're not here. That's not who they were. Somebody's knocking on their door, they wanted to be hospitable and, and, and take care of them. And so you find that in the middle of the night, now the middle of the night for them is not how you and I think of the middle of the night. You, it's not like midnight, like 12 o'clock. Look, some of you during this break, midnight, you're not asleep yet. So it's not saying by midnight, like at 12, rather midnight for them is, is in the middle of the night. So they would go to bed when the sun went down. And so we have this friend who's probably been asleep uh, for a while. And uh, so he's been asleep. He's, he's been asleep three to four hours. He's probably dreaming at this, at this point. And now somebody's knocking on the door. And so you notice it says though that he's in bed with, with his children. This is another thing that's a little culturally different. Most of the families at that time lived in a, a one-bedroom type of house. So there would be one place where the whole family would sleep. Mom, dad, kids. And they would all sleep together. And so now he's saying, hey, listen, you're knocking on my door. I'm in bed. My kids are asleep. If you wake my kids up, we're about to have a problem. Look, some of you know this. You, you put your kids to bed, and you're like, all right, everyone be quiet. Now imagine for just a second that the kids are finally asleep, y'all are good and asleep, and now somebody is banging on the door. Uh, and so in their culture, you know, he wants to be hospitable, but he tells them, hey, look, if I get up, then I'm going to wake my kids up. And if I wake my kids up and my wife up, we're going to have an issue over some bread. So, but this dude is like, hey, I, I need some bread. And so uh, notice, though, how the conversation kind of starts. He's like knocking on the door and he's like, hey, friend. You know, it's kind of how we would ask for something. He's like, hey, friend, hey, friend, I need some bread. And, and the guy's probably thinking, you wake me up in the middle of the night. That ain't very friendly, you know what I'm saying? We're not really, we're not that much friends. And so uh, he gets waking up and then uh, he starts to, to have this conversation about why he can't give him bread. There's something else though I want you to notice here about this story is that uh, the man here making the request, it's not like he has this emergency. He's not coming and knocking on the door because he's like, help, you know, like my kid's passed out or, or help, I'm bleeding or help, uh, you know, we've got this life-threatening thing, he's knocking on the door because, well, he needs bread. He needs bread because somebody has just suddenly showed up at his house and he doesn't have any. And so could you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and somebody's like, hey, listen, you know, I need some Grey Poupon. You know, or, or I'm knocking on the door and he's like, hey, listen, I just, I need a little butter. I'm sorry, a little midnight snack and I need some butter. You know, you'd be like, are you serious right now? No, go to bed. And so the, the, what he's asking for, the way it can come across, you know, hey, listen, I just need, I need some toast. That, you know, and so he says, based off our friendship, I'm not giving you that bread, kind of go away. But then finally, what I want you to notice is that how much bread he's asking for. When we think about like our culture, you think maybe like a, a loaf of bread, it's a lot different than how their bread was. Their bread would, would be very large, it'd be big, it'd be a lot. And so asking for three loaves of bread is, is more than enough to take care of his guest for you know, more than a week. I mean, it was a lot of bread. He, he wasn't just asking for like a small thing. He's asking for a lot. He's like, hey, I, I, I need some bread. And so he's asking his, what he's bringing to him and the request that he's making is kind of, not only is it odd because of the timing, 
but it's also odd just by how much that he's bringing to them. Uh, so it's just this, this huge amount. Three loaves would, would huge. It would feed uh, really just a, a lot of people. And so uh, listen what he tells them in verse 8. He says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So notice that he's saying, I'm not giving you this bread because we're friends. I'm giving it because you keep knocking on my door. You keep banging on the door. You keep asking for it. You keep coming after this bread, so I'm going to give it to you because you keep, you keep asking. I'm sure he's probably thinking at this point, nah, bro, we ain't friends anymore. Here's your bread, and we're done. But he, he gives it to him because he kept going after it. So look what he says in verse 9 with me. So I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So he takes this story, and he says, look, this is who we are in the story. I mean, God is, God is the one who has what we need, and we go knock on the door and asking, and we ask for it. Uh, ask, seek, knock. These are continuous verbs. What that means is once you start doing it, like, don't stop doing it. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, maybe is how we would think about it. So knocking is reinforcing this idea of persistence, that we should keep going after God in prayer. I don't know how you would describe your prayer life, but this story is giving you and I some guidance on, on how we go after God in certain things. He's given us this model. He's given us this pattern of how to pray. We go to the Father, and we ask that his name would be honored as holy. We ask that his kingdom would come, and we ask that his will would be done. Well, then we turn and we ask things for ourselves. Lord, give me today my, my daily bread, what I need for this day. Lord, give me forgiveness as I forgive others and protect me from the evil one. Here's our pattern of prayer. But now what he is saying is that, that we should also go to God persistently, consistently, and we should, we should pursue God, and this is how we're called to pray. Now, I want to show you, though, how Luke doesn't only pass on this idea here. He does it again in, in Luke chapter 18. So in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, let me quickly give you this second story, uh, the parable that Jesus is using to teach about prayer. He says this in Luke 18, verse 1. Now, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a, a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, now listen to this, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now, when we read a parable, we should always ask, well, like, who are we? Well, obviously, in this story, we're the widow. We're the widow that keeps coming after uh, uh, we keep going, we keep seeking justice, we keep going to it, but if we're the widow, then who's God in that story? And it, only Jesus really can get away with talking about it in this way it would seem at first reading, that Jesus is saying that God is this, this person who, who doesn't really care about giving us justice, but if we just pester God enough, then, then he'll answer our prayer. Uh, if we aggravate God enough, then, then maybe he'll answer our prayer. But here's what I want you to see. In both of these stories, what the text is doing is not comparing God to somebody who's asleep or, or this judge that doesn't really care about righteousness, but rather what it is doing is it is contrasting God to those people. If we are to pray like this, if we are to seek after God in this way, 
then how much more can we trust knowing that God does love us and God is not asleep, that he'll provide for the things that we need? He cares for us and our persistent prayers. So I wanna give you a few things that I think we can take away from learning about prayer and what Jesus, I believe, is teaching the disciples, not just about a model that we should pray, because some of you can take that model and it can become boring, lethargic, with no life, uh, and it's not really just out of a boring discipline in your life. It's not really producing maybe what you want. And, and so how should we pray? So let, let me give you a few things I think we can take away. First of all, I think what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that they should pray confidently. They should pray confidently. Perhaps one of the greatest hurdles to your prayer life is unanswered prayers. When you pray something or you throw something out to God and it feels like it's unanswered, you can begin to lose confidence in going to God in prayer. You just find in your life, you just kind of stop praying. Maybe you prayed, Lord, would you not allow the coronavirus to hit America? And now it has. So you're like, okay, God, hang on. Like, do you really care? Like, what's the point of praying? And, and is this, like, this kind of mystical or weird? And so you found like your prayer life is, is really not active as a result of maybe some unanswered prayers in your life. Sometimes he doesn't answer as fast as we would like, or sometimes he just doesn't give us the outcome that we want. He answers it, but not like we really want the answer to be. But you know, sometimes I found that in my life as I'm praying, God delays answering my own prayers because before God can give me what I'm asking, he first needs to change something in me. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, God, would you fix this person? Would you work in their life? And, and it's not happening. And then in the process, what I realize is that the problem is not with the person that I'm praying for. Man, God is, he's getting me. He's changing my heart. Lord, fix my kids. And God's like, I'm gonna fix your kids, but first I need to fix your, your heart as a dad. I need to fix your heart. Lord, fix my marriage, change my marriage. And God's like, hey, look, I'm gonna answer that prayer. I'm gonna bless your marriage, but I'm first gonna bless it when you obey me, when you follow me. And so sometimes God delays changing something that we want to see change because in that daily bread section of how we're praying or in his kingdom coming, because what God is first doing is, is he's changing our heart and he's working in us. You know, my kids ask me for a lot. It's just part of parenting. Dad, 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 give me this, give me this. I want a snack, dad, dad, I want to go jump on the trampoline, dad, I want to go do this. And, and sometimes I, I give them what they would like, and sometimes I don't. But every time I answer my children, I answer them knowing that I want what's best for them. I always want good for them. And so for us today, we can come to God confidently in our prayer, knowing that God, he does love us. God does want good for us. He does care for us. And God truly knows every outcome. And God is all-knowing. And so in light of his perfect knowledge and knowing that we're not, and we're not perfect, and we don't know anything, we can, we can go to God confidently. We can pursue the Lord in our prayer life with confidence like we see both of these uh, people are doing in these examples. So first of all, we can, we can pray, and we should pray with confidence. We should pray confidently. Let me give you something else I think we can learn from this passage is we can, and we should be praying boldly. We should be praying boldly. I want you to notice that he went knocking on the door in the middle of the night. He knew that he was gonna be asleep. He knew that, that he's gonna be sleeping with his family. He knew that this was gonna be a, uh, an interruption to his routine or his plan, yet he still went and knocked on the door with boldness knowing that I need bread. I need to, I've, I've, I've got to be hospitable to somebody that's coming in town. I don't have enough, and so help me out. I want you to also notice, though, that in Luke 18, 
And this widow is, is pursuing this judge with boldness because she needs justice and she wants that. So with boldness, she goes after him. In boldness, she goes after him day after day after day. And this is how he's reminding us that we are to pray and to go to God with boldness. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. He says this in, in chapter 11 of Luke, he says, hey, he didn't answer, he didn't give him the bread because of their friendliness. I always thought it was interesting and they was like, yeah, I'm not giving you bread because we're friends, but because how you, because your boldness, because you, you've come to me, you keep knocking on that door. You see, these parables are not comparing, though, uh, the, the people that are going after them. They're not comparing God to being somebody who's asleep or, or a judge who just doesn't care. But rather, these parables are given some contrast. Let me show you maybe some ways that we can contrast who God is and how much more that should invoke a boldness for us to pray. First of all, I want you to notice that this woman, she's, she's going to a stranger. She doesn't know this, this judge, but we don't go to God as, as a stranger. We're going to our father. We're talking to somebody who, who knows us and, and we're known by him. So that produces a boldness to know that I can go talk to my father. I can go after him. You know, there was no right that she had to make a claim in court to this judge. There's, she didn't have anything that says, this is my right, but we do have a right. We can come to the Father and say, hey, we're come boldly, not based off who I am, or not based off my righteousness, but I've been covered by the blood of the Lamb. I've been made righteous by Christ, and so I come after you, and I'm pursuing you, not because I have a right for you to give me what I want or what I need, but I have access to the Father because of what Jesus has done on my behalf, so I can come boldly into your presence. I can come confidently and boldly to come and, and pray. You know, the judge uh, that we approach is, is not one who doesn't care for justice. We can go to God knowing that he does care for justice. He does care to make things right. No, the judge that we approach is a father who cares deeply about justice and for things being good and, and right in the world. So when we pursue him over and over and over, you find this, the psalmist does this all the time. Lord, how long are you going to let our enemy be victorious? How long are you going to allow these things to take place? We can, we can go because God does care. But you know, there's another one, uh, a big contrast that I like, and that is that the friend is asleep. But God is not. Listen, God is not asleep while we suffer. God is not asleep when we go through difficult times. God is, is not asleep. He knows what's going on in our life. He knows our struggle. He knows our difficulties. And so he's not sleeping. So we have no fear to go wake God up. We have no fear that it's gonna to mess up. We are the family. And so we can go to him with boldness because he's not asleep. He knows and he desires for us to go. So when we understand this, we understand that God's not like this judge who doesn't care about justice. God's not like the friend who is asleep. He's not like the friend who is just not gonna give us bread based off our relationship. God is so much more than that, it then produces a boldness. It helps us to pray boldly. You know, my kids approach me boldly. My, my kids approach me boldly, 3 a.m. boldness. 3 a.m., you know, I got like Luke like tapping on me. Daddy, daddy, uh, I want to sleep with you. Daddy, daddy, I need some water. And, and so, uh, you know, they come with boldness. Why? Because they know that their dad loves them and dad's going to help them. 
Now, some of y'all are like, yeah, no. My kids don't come tap on my side. I can tell you right now. But the truth is, our kids, they ask us, they come to us with, with a boldness. Hey, Sadie just told me yesterday she wants a horse for Christmas in March. So she's bold. Like, I, I'm going to ask. <laughs> I'm going to ask because I know my dad loves me. I know my dad cares, so he's going to throw it out. He, he shows this in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Look with me. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will I not give you a helper and somebody to, to, to walk with you and to, to guide you during those times? Hey, you're evil. Now look at the contrast here. He's saying, first of all, we're, we're evil. And, and compared to God's perfect, holy righteousness, I mean, we are sinners who fall short of the glory of God. So as a result, when we think about how we, even in our sinfulness, desire and want to give our kids good gifts, we want to give our, our children good things, he says, then how much more me who loved you so much that I sent my son to die in your place so you could have life? Uh, someone who, who infinitely created us and, and, and sent his son to die in our place, then how much more then? Will I not give good gifts to those who ask and seek and not? You see, this creates a boldness within our prayer life. Oh, my God loves me. He sent his son to die in my place to give me life so that we can have a relationship, so that I can be adopted into the family of God. Now, therefore, I'm gonna boldly come after the Lord. I'm gonna boldly knock on the door. I'm gonna boldly seek God. And I'm gonna boldly ask God for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, and for his name to be honored as holy, that he'll provide my daily bread, that he will forgive me as I forgive others, and that he will protect me from temptation and from the evil one. We can pray with boldness. And we should pray with boldness. Thirdly, though, I want you to see that we should pray persistently. I think this is pretty clear in the text. He, he didn't just knock one time. I, I, I Think about it. If somebody just comes and knocks on your door one time in the middle of the night, you're going to be like, all right, some animal just hit the door. Like, what was that? That was the wind. Go back to sleep. You know, you're not going that. But nobody just goes and knocks one time. Now, you knock multiple times. And then you might knock some more. And so this thought of knocking is showing this idea that our, our prayers should be persistent. We don't just pray one time and then be done. Oh, we can, we can give it in faith and trust that God knows it and has it, but because we love God and, and because we know that he loves us, we, we pray boldly and persistently. Jesus makes it clear in this story that the reason both of these people, the man who needed bread and the, the woman who needed justice, the reason that their prayers were answered, the reason they got what they want was not because of their righteousness, was not because of who they were, but it was because they were persistent. They received an answer to their prayer because of their persistency. They were persistent. The point is that we should keep praying. Some of you have given up on praying for certain things because God didn't answer you when you wanted it and, and, or how you wanted it. So you just kind of gave up in it. And God is saying, no, we should persistently keep praying. You ask me how to pray is what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna tell you how to pray. Here's a model, but pray with persistency. Do not let go until you have to. Do not stop praying. Hold on to the coattails of Jesus and, and keep praying and keep asking and you don't stop. 
You just keep going. Hey, if you hear anything in this message, I want you to hear this. Man, trust God and keep praying. Do not give up. Some of you right now, or you're at a church where things might be hard or difficult, do not stop praying. Some of you have family members or friends that you have prayed for and it just seems like it's not gonna happen. Do not give up. Some of you have a marriage that you feel like there's just no hope in this thing and I wanna encourage you, turn to Jesus and you just keep boldly, persistently going to him, knocking and asking and seeking. And let's watch what God is gonna do today. Some of us, we need to be reinvigorated in our desire to pursue God in our prayer life. That we're gonna keep asking. We're gonna, we're gonna beg him. Look, that's what the point of Luke 18 is, in, in that, that story. In verse one it says, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. To pray always and not give up. To be persistent. So don't give up. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. You got that family member or friend? Do not stop. You know, there's some people that, I remember from high school that the Lord laid on my heart that I still pray for all the time. And I haven't heard that they've given their life to Christ, but I can tell you, I pray for them every day. And one day, one day, I don't know when it's gonna be, but one day I'm gonna hear that they've given their life to Jesus Christ, their Savior, and we're gonna rejoice. Sometimes God answers your prayers in a moment, but sometimes it might be your whole life or even after you've gone on, but we should keep praying. We should not stop. Do not stop. Pray boldly, pray confidently. And, and one day, we'll see God bring those things to fruition. We should pray uh, persistently. Keep, keep praying. Don't give up. Lastly, I want you to see here in, in their stories of how we're being taught to pray is that we should pray desperately. And we should pray desperately. The man that was needing bread and the woman desiring justice, they were desperate. Man, the man, had, he didn't have bread. He had to go somewhere, so he goes to his friend. He was, he was desperate for it, so desperate that he'd even knock in the middle of the night uh, while he was sleeping with his family. Man, this, this widow would keep going to the judge because she was desperate for justice. There was nowhere else to go. Either the judge was gonna bring it or it was not gonna happen. You know, we can attempt to pursue other options in our life, but what we will find is that there are no other options. Hey, some of you, maybe right now, that's how you would define what's going on in your life. You have pursued these other options in your life. You know, the only reason that we would not pray and, and go to the Father and seek Him in these things is because if we think we can provide on our own. So maybe you're watching this and you've thought, you know what? I've gone these routes. I've sought my own way. I've sought my own way in these things. But what you will find is that there really are no other options. So we pray desperately because we know that God is the only one who can answer our prayers. Only God can change some of the situations you're in. Only God can work in our hearts and bring forgiveness. It's only found in the Lord. See, this can also, though, keep us from praying. This can keep us from praying because we might think, well, I don't, I don't need God. Man, I, I'm good. Like, I don't need him. I can go get my own bread. I don't need to go knock on his door. I, you know what that parable is about to me? That man should have been prepared. He should have had some bread, and I'm prepared in life. I don't need God for that. I don't have to go for him. I'll just be prepared. Maybe you would say something like this. Hey, you know what? I'll make my own way. You know what? If I don't have justice, then I'll go get justice myself. I don't need to forgive anybody. I, I don't need justice. I'll make my own justice. I'll make things right myself. And here's what will happen. As you continue to live life with you being the God of your life, you'll find that it's empty. 
and it's hopeless. At the end of the day, when we think that there are other options, we will find out that there truly are no other options. There are no other options. This is part of what makes America, America. We try hard, we fight hard, and we work hard to to make things happen. But listen, there are some things that we can work as hard as we can, and we cannot make them happen for ourselves. God provides our daily bread. Right now, what our nation needs more than anything else is to humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus and let's ask God for his daily bread. Let's ask God that he would grant forgiveness of our sins and for how we fall short of the rule. Let's ask that he would protect us from temptation, from the evil one. You see, when I think about how things can go in my life, I understand that my hope for my children is not in how good of a parent I am. Thank God. Thank God. My my hope is not in my parenting skills. My hope is that God is going to work even through my mess-ups. That God is going to work to work in my children's life. To, for my marriage, the hope for my marriage is not in me being a good enough husband. Because I think Stacy would tell you that, that I fall short. I'm not good enough in other areas. And if my marriage and our love is based off my ability to be good enough, my marriage is, is going to fall short. My hope for our nation is not that we can put the right people in the right places and do these runarounds and fix this. The answer is surely not going to be politics as we've seen over the last several weeks and the last several years. The the hope for for all of these things we're going to find, our hope is in the Lord. Man, our hope is in God. Therefore, the person that we should run to with boldness and desperately is God. It's God. Maybe we should stop trying to convince so many people about God and spend more time talking to God about people. If it's God who brings the change, God who brings the salvation, God who brings the fruit, God who does the work, then let's spend more time going to God in prayer, boldly, desperately, pleading with him. And let's ask God to move. Let's ask God to work. And let's ask God to bring the change that we so desire to see happen. So let me close with this. I'm convinced that the church as a whole is leaving a lot on the table. My church, maybe the church that you're involved, but the church as a whole, I believe we're, we're leaving a lot on the table. I've personally seen God do so many amazing things at Shirley Hills, more than I, I could have imagined at this time. Uh, I've seen God bless us and move in, in awesome ways. But I also think if we're not careful, we can leave some things on the table. We can, we can get comfortable and we're no longer praying desperately or boldly. We're no, no longer praying persistently or seeking God. We, we get comfortable. And so we begin to, to pray what I call prayers of maintenance. We begin to just kind of offer these we know that we should pray. So our prayers kind of become this disciplined prayer that's like, you know, God, will you just kind of help me in my job? God, will, will you just keep me safe as I travel? And, and God, will you just be with us? We're not really asking anything specifically. We're not really straining and going after God in any detail form because, man, our, it's kind of maintenance. It's just kind of like, let's just keep going. Maybe you found in your, your prayer life that what you're really asking God for is, I, don't, I just don't want to lose what I do have but you're not really shooting after anything beyond that. You see, the size of our prayer life is directly correlated to how big we believe God is. If we believe God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, 
that he made all things for his glory, that he sent his son to die in our place so that we could have life. He then sent his spirit to live in us, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It reigns in us. If we believe what God's word said is true, then we get to go to him with boldness and desperately asking for God to do great things because he is great. And so our prayer life is a direct correlation to how big we believe God is. So let me ask you, are you praying big things for the kingdom of God? Man, are you praying big things for the church right now? I believe this is an unbelievable time right now that God is gonna bring salvation to so many people through a trial, through difficulties, through pandemic. He's gonna use videos and social media and, and I believe many people are gonna come to, to know Christ. And I tell you, we're praying those big things. Our church, are we praying big things? You know, I, I don't want us to get to a point where we're like, you know what, God, you've blessed us up to this point and, and you've been so good to us. And so Lord, let's, let's just kind of rest right here. This is kind of a safe place. Let's, let's stay right here. No, no, no. We're praying for big things for the kingdom. Let me ask you this. What are you so passionate about? What are you so passionate about that, that you want God to do that you will not quit praying about it? You will not stop. You're just gonna keep knocking on the door. You're just gonna keep going to the judge because he loves us, because we can. And so you're, just, you're so passionate about this thing, you're just gonna keep going for God and you're gonna ask him to do this thing. You just won't quit praying. I believe if you are not praying this way, if you are doing is praying these kind of safety, maintenance type of prayers, just kind of out of discipline, rather than these really bold, desperate, persistent prayers, then I can tell you, you're missing out and we're missing out. If the church is just playing it safe and, and asking these maintenance prayers, we're, we're missing it. You see, God did not call me and he did not call us to manage just this respectable church that has a good name and, and that things are good. He has called us to throw out nets so big that we would throw them out in such a desire that we would catch so many fish that we can't even pull them in the boat. That so many people would come to know Christ as Savior Lord and so many lives would be changed that it's too big for us to even handle it. That God would bless many churches and many places and many nations for the glory of God. So let me ask you, what do you have now that you need to take confidently, boldly, persistently, and desperately to the throne of God? I mean, what do you have in your life that you need to pray in this way right now? You see, I pray that we would not just have the model and the way that he has called us to pray, but I pray that even in my own life and in the life of our church, that we would be a people who pray confidently, boldly, persistently, and desperately. And let's watch what God does for his glory and our good. We pray with me, Lord, right now, I just wanna pray for those who are watching online. Well, we just ask that you would, you would allow the word of God to go forth, that you would bring honor and glory to your name through it. Lord, I pray for all the churches and, and pastors that are preaching your word. Would you bring honor and glory to your name? We're not trying to advance the name of any church. We're trying to make the name of Jesus known. So Father, would your, your kingdom come and your will be done. And God, we will not stop praying until we see darkness push back. We will not give up. We will not stop. We will boldly, persistently, and desperately come to you because Lord, our nation needs you, our world needs you, I need you, my family needs you, we need you. So God, we ask for your help in these things. Lord, we also know that there are some things we need right now. So God, I wanna pray for our community. 
I wanna pray for many who are, are scared and worried right now because they don't know how am I gonna get food and, and how in the midst of a pandemic are, are you gonna provide? But Lord, our provision comes from you. So this day, Lord, we come, would you give us what we need today? And God, we ask for your forgiveness in, in areas of our life where we have fallen short of your glory and we pray that as we are forgiving others, you would forgive us. And so God, as we move forward as a people for your glory, we ask that you would protect the church, protect your people from sin and from the evil one during this time, and that the name of Jesus will be known. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Shirley Hills, we are sent. <laughs>